0: Oh, thank you, uh, Pastor. Thank you so much. It's so great to see a gathering like this on a rainy Sunday night, playoff night. When when I left the room, Roger Staubach just completed a pass to Drew Pearson. <laughs> he, he he faked to Walt Garrison and then brought back. Oh, wait a minute, that's the other game. All right. <laughs> Now, it is good to be here. I've enjoyed all the day long the wonderful praise and worship this morning. Surely the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, as well as this evening, fellowship with the pastor and the first lady and the staff and all of you. It's a delight uh, to be here. don't often get the opportunity anymore to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night. Sometimes I do revival services over a period like Sunday morning and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. Remember, I was at a church not long ago, and there's a danger of preaching more than once. As somebody came out the door and said, you know, Joel, we all feel the same way about your preaching. And I was waiting to hear what I was going to be. He said, we feel like every sermon was better than the next one. I think I know what they meant. (laughs) It's good to be with you. This evening, I want to pull together what I guess I would call a twin text message. It's just, it's on my heart. If I put a title over it, I'd call it Walking Forwards Backwards. (laughs) Over in Isaiah 51. Uh, The prophet is writing to God's Hebrew people who'd been carried away. Carried across the desert to Iraq. That's what it was, Babylon. They're despondent and he writes to them, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness and you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. (laughs) That prophet says, look back. Look back. I'd like to twin that tonight with a word from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, Philippians 3.14. Paul says, uh, brethren, I, I don't count myself to an apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. I press forward to the mark for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, now wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> You're a Jew, didn't you read Isaiah? He said, look back to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. And yet, Paul, you just said, forgetting those things that are behind. <laughs> Plenty Wingo was from here in Fort Worth You may not remember Pliny Wingo, but Pliny Wingo holds a record. He holds the record for backward walking. (laughs) 1931 is the height of the Depression. People discouraged here in North Texas. Pliny thought he would do something to grab people's attention, so he announced he was going to walk around the world backward. (laughs) So he left here in Fort Worth and headed toward (laughs) New York. Of course, he had to get on a ship to go across the ocean. Got up, walked across Europe, backwards. It worked till he got to Turkey, and the Turks told him to turn around, <laughs> not to go any further. But he made more than 8,000 miles, almost a third of the way around the world, walking backwards. You could look his picture up, Google it, not right now, but he... Uh, had a kind of a rearview mirror on his glasses, and he walked backward. And He, he uh, must be good for you. He lived to be 97. He's buried up at Wichita Falls. Pliny El Wingo holds the backward walking record. <laughs> you know, you can go to a website. There's actually a backward Olympics. There's even a site that says walking backwards is good for your health. They do warn you that you run into a lot of things, but that's a whole other thing. You might say that Pliny walked backwards, forwards, or you could say forwards, backwards. These two texts grab my attention because as a, as a Bible reader, I take every God-breathed word seriously, and Isaiah told those Hebrews who'd been carried off the nation in exile, look back to the rock from which you were hewn." That's a metaphor, a figure of speech for Abraham and Sarah. But then Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind, get a case of spiritual amnesia and look forward. We call this a, a paradox. A paradox are two statements you have to hold on to both of them. They appear to be contradictory, and yet there's something about them that is deeply satisfactory. There's something the about a paradox you can't average it out. <laughs> if you ever think about that, if you averaged out looking forward and backward, you'd be looking sideways, <laughs> and that's not what he meant. You know, there's that kind of swoosh. You know, that that Zen symbol. Of, remember, black and white. You, you know, that swoosh is black and white. It, it, it's it's not gray, and you can't average out a paradox. You have to hold both things at the same time. So let's take a look at this, because there's something in it for our life. We live in a faith of paradoxes. Jesus said, if anyone would save his life, what? Let him lose it for my sake and the kingdom. He said the way up is what? The way down, become a servant. And the biggest paradox of all is that cross. Someone died that I could live forever. You walk forward, backward by looking back. Here's Isaiah. The Jewish people of his day had been carried off. Literally the temple of Solomon had been destroyed. It rests in ruins and rubble. They couldn't observe their holy days. Their whole community was wiped out and they'd been carried across the desert 600 miles, and they were living in FEMA trailers down by the Tigris. (laughs) They were. They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And there was no exit for them. Everything that God had started to do with Abraham and Sarah 1,500 years before was gone. And life had written over it no exit. So he writes to them. He says, Look, look back. Don't look back seventy years from when you got carried off. Don't look back five hundred years to King David. Don't look back fourteen hundred years to Mo look back all the way to what I did. With Abram and Sarah. Now that's a comparison and a contrast because they had been carried back to where Abram started. He started in Iraq. You know when you look at the news and you see the Iraqis on the news, you're looking at it exactly what Abe looked like. He said, don't look back a little ways, look way back. It's a comparison. You are where he was. And he was one man. In fact, that's emphasized in the Hebrew. And here's the first time, ladies, that Sarah occurs outside the book of Genesis. One man and one woman. And they were 99 and 90 when they had baby Isaac. Look back. He said, if I could start with one man and one woman, 99 and 90, and give him a baby, don't you think I could start over with you? You know, that's one of the funniest stories in the Bible. Did you ever think about that? Here's Abraham and Sarah They're down at the doctor's office. <laughs> Somebody sitting in the waiting room looks at Sarah and says, Oh, how sweet for a great grandmother to come down here. <laughs> Sarah says, I'm not the great grandmother. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry, grandmother. I'm not the grandmother. End of conversation. <laughs> And to these people who were discouraged, there is a comparison. If I was able to take one 99-year-old man and 90-year-old woman and start a nation more numerous than the sands by the seashore, don't you think I can start over with you again? Somebody here tonight, <laughs> I don't know, just couldn't be several hundred be without somebody feeling like you're in a situation where there's no exit you just don't see a way out. God says the same thing to you. He says, look back to what I've done in your own life, in the life of your family, in the life of godly people around you. Look back. Somebody here, even though you may be low, you remember faithful family members and friends. I've been up and I've been down. I've been level with the ground in 52 years of preaching. Started preaching when I was two. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> 52 years. You know what I've done? Just, just come close a minute. I've thought back sometimes about my grandfather, Henry Newton Selby. He was saved as a middle-aged man up in Gainesville, Texas. He'd been a tough Texas farmer and rancher. I remember he and my grandmother used to walk around singing hymns in a little farmhouse, singing them to Jesus. I thought Jesus was right there next door. I thought he was in the house. I look back to that. God's privileged me to preach all over the world, but sometime when I've been discouraged, I look back to Miss T.L. Williams, who taught 10-year-olds at Connell Baptist Church on 4736 Bryce on the west side of Fort Worth. She was a farm woman without education, but I remember sitting there in that little Sunday school room, and she talked about Jesus so much, so I thought he was about to come in the door. And I look back. And I'm discouraged sometimes. I think about Hal Kuntz. He used to work downtown Fort Worth in the old Monty's warehouse. It's not that anymore. Five days a week on those hard concrete floors. But he taught <laughs> Junior high boys. And if you miss Sunday school, he was at your door before church. <laughs> he was. Wanted to know where you were. We sat there and squirmed. We were a terrible bunch to have to teach Sunday school. I remember one time one of us we used to have clip-on ties, remember those? I remember a kid cut my clip-on tie in two with a pair of Caesars. We it was a holy bunch of folks, I don't tell you. I look back. When they were discouraged and thought there was no way out, Isaiah said, Look back from the rock which you were hewn, from Abraham and Sarah, and see what I did. I took one old man and one old lady who went without knowing where, and who believed me without knowing how, and waited on me without knowing when, And I made a nation out of them. If you're a person of faith, you can look back to the rock from which you were hewn. That is, back to God's faithfulness in your past life. The pastor mentioned an autobiography I wrote. I had an episode right in the midst of my ministry that was very derailing and disappointing. I left one of the largest churches in the world Uh, just walked out not because I had to but because God told me to move from a big house to a tiny apartment went from a big salary to no salary and (laughs) became a door-to-door funeral salesman for Greenwood Mount Olive that's a worthy occupation it really is Uh, if you're a little depressed it may not be the best thing to do Uh, (laughs) Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, let, let, let's buy our funeral today. But you know what? I found out that however high up I went or however far down I went, God was faithful. And he gave me back more than uh, <laughs> I ever lost. So in these days, when I have challenges of ministry on a national globe, I just look back to God's faithfulness. When I stood at the corner of Ridgemar Boulevard and the M's Road with my funeral sales kit in the hand and knocked on the first door. Look back. I expect there's somebody here. You can look back to a time when God did it for your life. And you know that God is faithful. Isaiah said, look back. But then, here's the other part of this paradox. Here's Paul. Now, Paul as a Pharisee would have known Isaiah virtually by heart, that the very DNA of Isaiah was was in the the blood of Paul. And here's Paul writing the Philippians from his jail cell in Rome. It's a prison epistle. He was in jail in Rome, waiting trial for his life, but Paul says, forget those things that are behind. And Paul, Press forward. It's an athletic metaphor. It really points to a, a racer, somebody, somebody sprinting, lungs heaving, heart pounding, arms frailing. Press on toward the mark for the upward calling of God. Now, Paul, did you forget what Isaiah wrote? No, it's a paradox. It's two things we have to hold at the same time. Glancing back to see God's faithfulness in our past, but then choo, curtain falls. And we get a case of amnesia. <laughs> now, normally amnesia is not a very desirable thing. You know, we feel sorry for people who get retrograde amnesia. Remember not long ago, a while back, I remember it was on cable news. A man was uh, in Oregon on business. And uh, uh, he, he went out for a walk in his hotel room. And he didn't take his ID with him, so... He didn't have any way to identify him. And while he was out walking, he had some kind of a lesion, the occipital cortex or something, and he got retrograde amnesia. He didn't even know who he was, where he was. He was just wandering around. Finally, police stopped him, and he said, I don't know who I am or where I'm from. And they, they saw that he was a business person, but they didn't know either. They put, remember, they put his picture on cable news, and finally his family across the country <laughs> said, That's Dad! <laughs> They had to go get him because he had amnesia. But Paul commends us to get some spiritual amnesia. What does he want you to forget? First of all, he wants you to forget some sins and failures of the past. Some of us are in the paralysis of analysis because we never get past the past. And when we read these verses, We turn them upside down because what we need to do is forget some things and then press on, but we tend to forget what we ought to remember and remember what we ought to forget. Paul says forgetting. See, Paul had a sense of his past sin and faith. He was haunted. Read the book of Acts. You see it peeping out at you in his testimony. Read his pastoral epistles. He said, I persecuted the church. I was the least of all of the disciples. He was haunted by the fact that he held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. And he could never have been the Apostle Paul if he hadn't forgotten and pressed on. How many times do you have to confess something for God to forgive it? Anything hard about that? <laughs> If we confess our sin, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. It doesn't say if you'll feel bad about it for three years. (laughs) Then confess it and then don't believe God heard you and spend three more in a funk. No, if we confess our sin. You see, God is in the business. Let me me put it this way. Uh, when, When they have to shut down a nuclear power plant, that radioactive material still has enough radioactivity to kill a human being 10,000 years from now. You don't just put that in a trash bag. <laughs> they have to find somewhere to put it, so they go to remote places and they dig deep and they hide it. Some of it's up in the panhandle of Texas, way up there. But then the scientists got word what if somebody's digging? 10,000 years from now, and they dig into this stuff. Well, let's say, let's write an inscription. But what if the world lasted 10,000 years and nobody can read English or German or French? What are you going to do? So they came up with a pictogram that anybody, any time, if they look at it, they'd understand it means don't dig here. <laughs> God was in the original pictogram business, it's the cross. And that cross says, don't dig here. When sin is confessed and repented, press on. But you know what else, Paul? I think when he said forgetting those things are behind. (laughs) Paul had some fights. It's very interesting. Read about it. Hit some real fights. See, there after the first missionary journey, remember John Mark got homesick, went home and Uncle Barnabas said, well, let's take him on the second journey. And Paul said, no, he's a quitter. Barnabas, who's son of consolation, I'll give him another shot. Paul, no. And they had a fight. I think that haunted Paul, that the son of consolation who introduced him to the church, had a fight with him, and they split up. Paul even had a fight with Peter. Read over in Galatians 2. It was at the Jerusalem conference. They, They didn't know what to do with the Gentiles, and Peter wasn't quite sure either. So so when he was with the Gentiles over in that corner of the lunchroom, uh he'd eat a bacon sandwich. <laughs> Ham casserole. But then they showed up from Jerusalem, the Jews. He he left them and he said, Well the popular kids in the restroom or in, in, in the rest in, in in the dining room are over here and he went over to the Jews and he ate locks and bagels. That is he was He's playing games. And you remember, Paul confronted him, confronted him to his face about that kind of duplicity, and and they had a fight. Some of us can't move forward in the life of faith because we can't forget some past battles. And we play them like a tape in our head over and over. And I think when Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, he said, I had to get over what happened with Barnabas, I had to get over what happened with Peter. I had to get over John Mark leaving us. <laughs> you know, some people just can't get over bitterness, and it's a canker in the soul. I, I heard about this uh, a salesman. He's a guy went into a diner. He, he was sour bitter. He said, I want two eggs, one fried and one scrambled. <laughs> Snarled out at the wait staff, and she turned in the order, and Kind of with some fear put it back in front of him and said, he said, that's wrong. She said, what's wrong? Said, you fried the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> he got up, walked down, walked down the street to another diner. He he met his match. Waitstaff staff there was mad as could be. And,
1: what do you want?
0: He said, Well, I want two eggs, one fried one scramble. <clears throat> it's the craziest order I ever had. Good it in. About a half an hour later, she she threw it out at him. He said, look, I'd like just a little bit of sympathy. And she said, if I was you, I wouldn't eat those eggs. <laughs> 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 Bitter. You have to forget some things in order to press on. And I think what Paul meant was, Forgetting past sin and failure and forgetting the bitter hangover of life's conflicts and not playing the same tape over and over till it embitters you for all of life. How do you do that? He says, press forward toward the mark for the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Remember the old hymn we used to sing it, I'm pressing on, what? The upward way, new Heights, I am gaining, comes right out of this verse. Though some way dwell, what, where these found. My, 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 my prayer remains higher ground. There's a beautiful metaphor in what Paul says, pressing forward toward the mark for the upward call of God. The background of that was in the Olympic Games and the Isthmian Games and the Artemisian Games, the three big uh, track and field games, if you would, of that day. Usually, if an athlete excelled, they would win a wreath, a victor's wreath. Sometimes it was myrtle, sometimes it was even celery leaves, ivy leaves. And they would be given down in the dust and dirt of the arena floor. But every now and then, an athlete would so excel, lap the field, run a race like none that had ever been run, the emperor up in the skybox, the ancient equivalent of a skybox, a luxury suite, wouldn't send the price down. He'd call the, the runner-up. <laughs> it was called the upward call. And not down in the dust and the dirt of the arena, <laughs> but up there. While thousands of people were calling the athlete's name, be tunic and toga-wearing Greeks or Romans, calling out, Alexis Stephanos, whatever his name was. He'd thread his way up through that crowd. And not in the arena, but in the skybox. He'd be crowned with a victor's wreath. Uh, Paul was (laughs) in jail waiting for the verdict of a crazy man. Nero was crazy, crazy. Read his story in Suetonius, Life of the Caesars. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It wasn't just that he had to forget what was behind. There was a murky future in front of him. And he said, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the upward call. He'd come to recognize it wasn't likely that he was going to get vindicated here. In fact, most of us who are people of faith are not going to get vindicated here. We have a faith that looks forward to an upward call. And the day came when one of those Roman centurions that had been guarding Paul, probably chained to him four hours at a time. Wouldn't you like to have been chained to Paul four hours at a time? All you heard was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They pulled the grate up off of that Mamertine prison in the Roman Forum where he was in a dungeon, really. It was an underground vermin fill. Maybe his name was Maxentius, and he said, Paul, I have to tell you what I didn't want to tell you and take you where I didn't want to take you. It's all right, Max. I told you for me to live as Christ. And they took the author of Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians and Philippians and Ephesians. They carried him out of South Gate of Rome. I've walked on those same steps, and there was a Roman there with a big halyard axe, an axe on the end of a long pole to give him leverage. And they said to the great apostle, Do "You face down or face up?" And I think he said, "Face up." Don't something over your head? No, 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 no. Eyes wide open. And for a moment, it was the light of the sun on the blade of that axe but in the next moment it was the light of God in the face of Jesus in that place where there's no more night no more pain no more tears never crying again the apostle speaks the other side of the paradox forgetting those things that are behind I press on Uh, This is where I wish I did have the opportunity to sit down with you over a cup of coffee or tea and just talk with you. Which way do you need to look? That's the paradox. Somebody here tonight needs to remember God's faithfulness in your past. If you would just look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry where you were dug and let the Holy Spirit remind you You know that hundreds of times that you know about he's delivered you. And that doesn't count the times you don't know about. When you've gotten to an intersection 10 seconds early or 10 seconds later and he intervened. When you could have walked into a convenience store 30 minutes early or 30 minutes later and you would have been in a dangerous situation. You don't even know about that. Look back. But then somebody here, melancholy, as <laughs> all you do is look back. To you, the Holy Spirit is saying, forgetting those things that are behind, press on. And that's how you walk forward Backward. (laughs) Would you bow with me for just a moment? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. As our musicians come, I just I just want to ask you to simply ask God a question tonight. Which way should you be looking? It's a paradox. Here and there, across this, there's people who need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. But there's others who need to be liberated, rescued, set free from looking back. The way for you is for getting behind, pressing on toward the mark. Now, Lord, for these precious sons and daughters of the kingdom, please, O Holy Spirit, breathe this evening. Blow like a wind on us. Flow like a river through us. Glow like a fire in us. O God, for those who forgotten your past faithfulness right now, bring up scenes to them. Bring before them dangerous moments, sick moments, impossible moments from the fast, and show them how you delivered them. And then God, For those who are chained and manacled and fettered and handcuffed by the past. Set them free. And grant that they would press on. Take you at your word if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. (laughs) Lord, keep them from trying to dig around at the foot of the cross to pick back up what you've buried. And then, Lord, the day's coming. The day's coming. It might be the, the shout of the archangel and the blast of a trumpet. we will be caught up with you, or it might be as family gathers around, we close our eyes for the last time on earth. But either way, it's the upward call. Oh, God, help us to live our lives confident that that's coming. Whatever disappointments we've had here below, know that you're calling us up into your presence, to the crown of life. Now, Lord, this isn't the last day of an old week. It's the first day of a new week and with the fresh week before us in confidence and strength. Equip us to move out from here, knowing what it's like to walk forwards, backwards. In Jesus' name, Pastor.